All right, we're going to get started this evening. It's a great joy to see you here tonight to worship the Lord as God's people in prayer as a church and lift up our burdens before the Lord in prayer. And I want to want to remind us of some things before we dive into our study tonight is that God's purpose for us as believers, according to Romans 8, 29, is to conform us, that is to shape us or fashion us into the image of his son. In other words, our purpose as believers is to become more and more like Jesus in everything we say and do. And as we saw in our study of Jesus from the gospel of Luke, Jesus was marked a man marked by prayer. He was a man distinguished by constant communion with his heavenly Father. And as such, his disciples who wanted to be followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, imitators of Jesus, and wanted to become more like their master, asked Jesus in Luke 11, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. And that is our desire as well as a church. We want to be taught by the Lord to pray, to become people of prayer, to become people who will pray just like Jesus did in accordance and in accordance with his revealed will. That is why we did our study of Jesus' life from the Gospel of Luke. That's why we're doing our study on praying with Paul from the pages of the New Testament. It's because we want to be taught by the Lord how to pray. And so what we're starting to do as a church is to listen in on Paul's inspired prayers in the New Testament and learn what to adore, appreciate, ask, admonish, and amen in our own prayers. And right now we're in the middle of discovering what we ought to adore God for in prayer, what we ought to simply just praise and worship God uh, regarding who he is in himself. If you think about it, the angels fly around God continually in heaven, crying out day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they do that all the time. They worship God continually and they never run out of reasons of why they ought to worship him. And yet so often we approach God in worship and in prayer and we sit there and think, "Mm, I don't know what to praise him about, right? We are woefully deficient on our ability to be able to adore God in prayer. And so that is why it is important for us to study God's word and be reminded, even from Paul's prayers, what we ought to worship God for, simply for who he is in himself. We saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4, through 4, that we ought to adore God because he is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. And then we saw last week from Romans 11.36 that we ought to adore God for being the God of all wonder, from whom and through whom and to whom are all things. Well, tonight we're going to see another reason why we ought to worship and adore God in prayer, and that is because our God is the God of all change. The God of all change. This comes from Romans 16, 25 through 27, where Paul concludes his treatise to the Roman believers with this glorious adoration of praise to God. Paul writes in Romans 16, 25 through 27, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith 
To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Here, Paul adores God for being the God of all change. But before we go any further into our study tonight, let's just ask the Lord to teach us his word as God's people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we get to approach you in prayer tonight and know that our prayers are heard because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray in his name. We pray on the basis of his work. We do not approach you tonight, Father, in prayer on the basis of our own works. For we, all of us, were like sheep that had gone astray, going our own way. We approach you tonight in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which we have through faith in him. We thank you that he has lived the perfect life that we have not even lived today. Father, we thank you that he is the one who died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins, a penalty we could never pay. And we thank you tonight that we can approach you in prayer because he rose again the third day in victory over Satan and our sin and our condemnation of death, a victory we could not win. So on the basis of faith in his perfect work, we come before you tonight and we simply ask you that you would teach us your word, that you would show us afresh who you are in all your glory, that we might worship you in prayer both tonight and throughout the rest of this week. Show us who you are so that we might boast in you each and every day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, even though Paul's prayer here is somewhat lengthy, it takes up three verses without stop, uh, if you isolate the core sentence structure, we discover that Paul is giving a fairly straightforward prayer of adoration, and his focus becomes quite clear. Paul exults this in these verses, now to him who is able to strengthen you to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's at the heart of what he's praying, right? Paul is praising God because God is able to strengthen his people and transform them to become obedient to the faith. And so Paul praises God for who he is, and so should we. We should praise him as the God of all change, the God who is working wonders in our own hearts and minds and souls, and the God who can work wonders in every single person you have ever met in your lifetime. God is the God of all change. And so let's take a look at this. Paul writes this in verse 25. He begins by saying, now to him who is able to strengthen you. So Paul begins by praising God because he recognizes that ultimately God is the one who strengthens those believers there in Rome. Strengthen them how? In their faith. As I already pointed out at the end of verse 26, this divine strengthening that God gives to his children happens in order to bring about, Paul says, their obedience of the faith. We know from Ephesians 2 verse 8 that God is the one who supplies faith 
right? We know from the book of Acts that he is the one that, that grants repentance to open people's eyes to understand the truth, right? He's the one that brings us to Christ. He is the one who supplies our faith. And now we see here in Romans 16, 25, that he is the one who strengthens faith strengthens faith. God not only causes us to believe, he's the one who continues us to believe. To what end? To the end that Paul says we might become obedient in the faith, that we might be changed. Paul said back in Romans 1 verse 5 that the purpose of his life, both as a believer and as an apostle of Jesus Christ, was to bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of Christ's name. See, we don't think about this enough, but God saved us and he drew us to himself by his grace through faith in Christ. Why? So that you would change. So that you would be obedient. He saved you so that you would at last live a life that is obedient from the heart, as Romans 6.17 says, and begin to live a life that honors and glorifies Him. That actually reflects His character and reflects His worth by how you're living. This is why God saved us, so that having been born again, we would begin to live lives of obedience for the sake of His name. As Paul writes in Titus chapter 2, Christ He redeemed us so that we might become zealous to do good works. We've been born again to begin lives of obedience for the sake of his name. And Paul praises God in this section because he knows that this dramatic change, he knows that this divine transformation is something that God is going to do. That's why he praises God for it. He knows that God is going to do this absolutely for everyone who is in Christ by faith. He knows that God will prove himself to be the God of all change to every single believer who comes to him. And Paul knows this change. He knows this spiritual strengthening is guaranteed because of three wonderful gifts that belong to every believer. The first gift is a fresh reality in Christ. That's at the end verse, end part of verse 25. Paul praises God because he says that God is a God who strengthens believers According to my gospel, he writes, and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now, I need to be clear. It's not the act of preaching alone that makes believers strong. No, it is ultimately the reality of what's being preached that strengthens us. It is the good news regarding Jesus Christ and the glorious reality that is found in him. And it is entering into that new reality. It is entering into Christ that imparts strength to us believers. What preaching does is it extends that offer of that new reality. It reminds us of that new reality that is ours in Christ so that we might be strengthened in it. We see this back in chapter 1 verse 11 where Paul writes... I long to see you, he says to the Roman believers, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Why? To strengthen you. The exact same word that we see here in Romans 16. And how is Paul going to do that? Verse 15, I am eager to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome. Why? Verse 16, because it is the power of God. See, one of the ways that God strengthens us as believers 
is by reminding us of the fresh and the new reality that is ours in Jesus Christ. In other words, he preaches the gospel to us that we might be strengthened in our inner man. The, the, one of the best things you can ever do for your spiritual life is to preach the gospel to yourself, to be reminded of who you are in Christ Jesus and what he has done for you. This is what enlivens the soul of a believer. It is the power of God. It is the power of God. One of the ways that God strengthens us as believers is by reminding us of the new reality that is ours in Christ so that we can be strengthened. And we don't have time to look at it tonight, but this is exactly what Paul does over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and following. If you want to look that up later, he tells us there, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, right? In other words, find your strength in the fresh reality, the new reality that's yours in Jesus. And then Paul helps us do that in that passage by walking through all of these gospel realities, this gospel armor that is ours in Jesus. This is how God strengthens us, by preaching the gospel to us, by reminding us of the fresh reality that is ours in Christ. If you want to be used by God and know that you're going to be used by God, Share the gospel with someone. And in that moment, you will have been used by God to strengthen your fellow believers. And it is as he reminds us of this glorious good news that we are able to say with Paul in Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, whatever God asks me to do, I can do it. I can be obedient in the faith For the glory of God, because I am in Christ, Christ is in me, and as such, he daily strengthens me. So one of the reasons it's a guarantee that God strengthens and changes every believer, even you, for the glory of God, is because of the fresh reality that is yours in Christ. You are united to the holy Christ. He will change you. (laughs) Second, a full revelation in Scripture. That's at the end of verse 25 into 26. Paul praises And adores God in prayer here because Paul knew God to be a God who strengthens, transforms, and changes every believer, not only according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, but also according to the revelation, he says, of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. Now that mystery that was once kept secret, but has now been disclosed to all nations, is Christ is the person of Jesus Christ. As Colossians 1, 26-27 puts it, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, is Christ in you the hope of glory. And this is this revelation of Jesus in Scripture that is one of the ways by which God changes and transforms his people. It is through understanding Christ as the full and final revelation of God. See, before Christ came in the flesh... Some parts of Scripture were difficult to grasp. In fact, and almost humorously, you read in 1 Peter 1, 10 through 11, that even the prophets worked hard at trying to put together and process what they wrote about Christ in the Old Testament. Even they would look at their writings and go, I don't get everything here, right? The Christ is the conquering king, but he's also a suffering servant. The Savior is God, but he's also mentioned as man. Redemption is for Israel, And yet it says salvation coming to all nations. Before Jesus arrived, some things were not terribly understood clearly in the Old Testament. 
But now after Christ, it has become so clear. God the Son became a man and conquered sin through his death on the cross to bring salvation to all those who believe in him among all nations. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in Christ, as Paul says in in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. And so with that key, with the Jesus key, the true, original, literal meaning of all the Old Testament scriptures are unlocked and illuminated to be clearly understood by us who are believers. And it is that clear and now full revelation in scripture that God uses to change and transform our lives. This is the second way that God strengthens us and changes us and transforms us for his glory. As 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18 and following states, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, God uses the full revelation of Christ in Scripture to strengthen, to change, and to transform us for the glory of God. He is the God of all change who faithfully transforms every single child of his, even you, because of the fresh reality that is yours in Christ, because of the full revelation that is found in Scripture, and then finally, because of a faithful Redeemer that is found in heaven. And that's at the end of verse 26, where it says, according to the command of the eternal God. See, ultimately, the greatest reason we know why every single believer will be changed and transformed and grow in obedience for the glory of God is because there is a faithful Redeemer in heaven who has commanded that this will be so. As Paul says here, believers are strengthened according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of the faith, and he will fulfill his purpose in you. Now, I have to mention this really quickly. God's strength is given for what purpose? It is to bring about the obedience of the faith, correct? And for no other purpose is it given. I make this point because many of you might be thinking this evening, spiritually, I am so tired and exhausted. I don't know if I have strength to go on believing in the face of what's in front of me whether it be trials or temptations or hardships or whatever. If that is you, I want to gently ask you two questions tonight. First, if you find yourself spiritually weary, are you turning to the provisions that God has given you? Are you studying the gospel of grace and the new reality that is yours in Christ? Are you studying this gospel of grace in the word of grace which is now made alive and illuminated to you as Christ, the fulfillment of it? And are you approaching the throne of grace alongside the fellowship of grace? Are you availing yourself of the strengthening grace that God is offering you? I mean, yeah. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to eat supper yet tonight. When you don't eat, what happens? You get weak. When you're spiritually weak, what's happening? You're not eating. Are you in the word of grace? Are you coming before the throne of grace? Are you spending time among the fellowship of grace? Because this is how God strengthens us. This is how he strengthens us. 
Second question I want to gently ask you, if you find yourself spiritually weary tonight in the face of temptations and hardships and trials, are you spiritually worn out because perhaps you're trying to accomplish all these things that God doesn't want you to actually be accomplishing? Because God gives you strength for what purpose? To bring about the obedience of faith. For the sake of his name. Could it be that you find yourself spiritually exhausted because your purposes and your goals and your ambitions in life are not lining up with his? Because rest assured, there is strength in doing God's will. In John 4, 32-34, Jesus said this, I have food to eat which you do not know about. My food, right? That which gives me strength is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. It is possible for a believer to be spiritually weak because they are spending time not doing the will of God, but doing their own will. And the purposes of their life's ambitions have nothing to do with obeying God. God gives you no strength to follow after your own purposes, but He does give you strength to do His purpose and to do His will. If you resolve to obey God and follow his will, God has promised that he will give you strength and food for your soul. God has made provisions for it. And back to this verse, God has commanded it. It is his purpose for your life. He will do it. As Paul says here, believers are strengthened according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of the faith. This is the greatest confidence that you and I can have when we go through difficult times of testings and temptations and trials. We can take comfort in the strengthening command of God that lays upon us in Christ. That we will be changed. We will be sanctified. We will be made holy, and one day we will be glorified, blameless in the presence of our Lord in heaven. He has commanded it to be so. If you belong to him, nothing can take you out of his plan. Nothing. He has commanded it. As 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8 says, God will keep you strong to the end so that you may stand blameless on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. When you fall, he will give you strength to get back up. He will give you strength to repent of your sins. He will give you strength to mortify the flesh. And he will give you strength to seek after him and pursue him in service all of your days. He will give you the strength. The Christian life is not left up to you. If you're in Christ, he lives it out through you. It's the command of God upon you. That's why Paul in in Philippians 1 verse 6 could say with absolute confidence, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Because he's a faithful redeemer. I will lose none of those whom the Father has given me, Jesus said. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 24 says, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So let this be an encouragement for you. You might be in the middle of a season where you are struggling with sin severely. Where you are facing a trial or temptation that feels too great for you. And though you are fighting... Sometimes it feels like for every two steps forward, there's always one step back. 
And you might be wondering tonight, man, in the midst of this huge battle against sin, spiritual discouragement, will I even make it? Is there any strength? Is there any help? Is there any hope for me? And I want you to know, yes, there is hope for every one of us. Because the God of all comfort and the God of all wonder is the God of all change. He is able to strengthen you through a fresh reality that is yours in Christ, through a full revelation in Scripture, through the knowledge of Him, and through a faithful Redeemer in heaven who's commanded that it will be this way. He is able to strengthen you and to bring about in your life the obedience of faith. God is able to change lives and change souls for the sake of his name. That is why Paul says, this is not just the gospel in verse 25. He says, this is my gospel. My good news. And the God who could change me can change you too. Therefore, in light of God being the God of all change, as verse 27 says, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So as a church tonight, let's consider it a great privilege to be able to adore God as the God of all change tonight.